This week I found myself in conversation with a friend who was struggling to process through the issues of life. His struggle was centered in the reality that what he anticipated in life did not occur as he anticipated it. And so as a result, he found himself confounded, overwhelmed, not knowing which way to turn. And as he began to share and express what it was he was going on with him, what he really was trying to say was, it's very difficult at times to understand how God works. It's very difficult to understand his ways. Because oftentimes we do find ourselves conflicted, overwhelmed. Sometimes we find ourselves challenged by issues we never dreamed we would face. Sometimes we find ourselves going, this just doesn't add up. The math doesn't work. The people don't connect. And somehow there's something wrong here. And as a result of this friend and lives in another state, as we conversed, I began to challenge him to think about understanding his ways. Because the reality is, as a disciple, as somebody who authentically follows Jesus, you have to grasp his ways in order to understand his will. And so if a person misses understanding what it means to follow him effectively, then they find themselves looking at all of their situations, all their circumstances, going, this, this is another issue that confounds me. And if you'll think about it for a moment, everyone here probably had something that happened this week that confounded them. Something this week that they didn't understand. Something this week they go, you know, I'm not sure why this came at me the way it did. But in the middle of it all, you began to grasp that this issue is not going to get the best of you because greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. And all of a sudden you start saying, you know what? I'm not going to let this thing overcome me. I'm going to let it instead direct me the right way. This week my little granddaughter, well, after she, uh, one day she wanted me to drop her off and pick her up from her class at the academy. And so I picked her up, and, and when I picked her up, she had, had a new, she had one of these little, I guess, Fisher-Price cameras where, you can, where it makes a picture, and, and so you can see it on the screen. I don't think it actually, actually makes the picture. I'm not even sure. But she was snapping these pictures, snapping these pictures, and finally I stopped her and said, hey, why don't you let me make a picture? And she looked at me and said, Gaga, do you know how? And I was sitting there thinking, she didn't even understand my way. And, and so we had this really interesting conversation because, and we sat out here on the steps under the drive-thru waiting on her mom. And, and uh, we were conversing about several things. And the entire dialogue, I realized that to understand how a child thinks, you have to put yourself in their place and begin to grasp how they're thinking and how they process issues. And I'm going to tell you what happens with Jesus. He knows that we're always going to face a challenging question. And in Luke chapter 5, we find ourselves today at a person who is in life, and I want you to see this because this will help you understand how life works. In life, this man, based not in his choice, but based in his circumstances, was ostracized, marginalized, and criticized. In other words, he had three strikes against him before he ever started because this man had leprosy. So anyone who looked at him, their first reaction was, number one, don't get near me. Number two, always stay over there. And number three, don't talk to me. So you can imagine how he felt, which, by the way, that's kind of what's happening in America when you say you're a Christian. You're marginalized, ostracized, and oftentimes criticized. And what happens, though, is all of a sudden, this guy has the boldness to move beyond himself to accomplishing what it is God intended. And in this passage, I want you to see today, because there's something very unique that happened. 
Look at it with me, if you would. Luke chapter 5. We read verses 12 through 16. And I want you to note verse 16, too, because something transpires post the man with leprosy that sets in motion what we're doing today. Look at it with me, if you would. Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, don't miss that phrase, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Look at verse 16. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. When you read this, you realize that, that here you find yourself asking yourself this question. Have you ever struggled in understanding his ways? Because here's what you realize. That here is a guy, here is a guy who no choice of his own finds himself afflicted with something he doesn't have the capacity to overcome. There is no medicine that cures it. There is no answer that resolves it. There is no way to take the perplexity of this question and arrive at an answer that makes sense. And so as a result, he finds himself, no doubt, trying to understand God's way. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that all of a sudden you take the confounding issues of your life and you put them all on the table. Maybe you're like me. You could go through and say, well, I was born into an alcoholic home. That was not a pretty good bearable that I didn't like that very much. Uh, you, I was born into a home that was broken. Uh, you know, you find that's a struggle. You go through these different things, you lay them all down there, and you start saying, Lord, where are you in all these things? And what you discover is, here is a guy with leprosy who's trying to figure out where he is, what he's about, what he's trying to do. And it's interesting because you realize in this particular passage, the Bible says that he implored him. In other words, he begged Jesus to do what only he could do. Which tells you something. His sensitivity to what really mattered in life was centered in the reality of God at work inside of his heart because here's no doubt what this guy had heard. This guy had heard from a far distance because he was not allowed to be in the mainstream of culture. From a far distance, he'd heard there was a guy whose name was above every name. He heard there was a guy who, if he connected to him, something amazing would happen. And what you discover is that in this particular passage, when you look at verse 13, you'll notice something happens that's very profound. He stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, I want you to get this for a second. It was absolutely unacceptable for anyone to touch someone with leprosy, much less someone who was considered a priest or a rabbi. So you can imagine all the eyes are centered on this guy who comes up begging. I mean, and it's interesting because here he is making this very profound statement. Lord, if you are willing, and here's what I want you to say today, there's nothing God is not willing to do to change our hearts and move our lives forward if we're just willing to turn completely to him. And where our dilemma comes is when we center our issues on ourselves instead of him. 
And what happened with the man with leprosy was he realized something. It was not about him. It was about the one who could change him. And you've got to see this transition point because here's what happened. When Jesus touched him, all of a sudden, everything changed. Everything changed and moved his life forward. So here's a man with leprosy who has no answer. And as soon as Jesus gets done with this experience with all the people who are hanging out with him, the Bible says he goes in the wilderness. And what you and I discover at li- in life oftentimes, we think about our difficult seasons as being wilderness moments. When, moments when we don't hear him clearly, moments when we don't understand what it is he has for us. And then, all of a sudden, you experience the wonder of the wilderness where God meets you right where you are. And he begins to speak to you in a way you never dreamed possible. And what I want you to see today is this. is today you see two parallel dynamic things happening. You see a man who was hopeless, who found help in God. You see a Lord who knew he needed to get away at time in order to hear God speak. Hear the Father speak to him. And so as you read this, you begin to realize something. That in verse 16, when he says, makes a statement that he would often go into the wilderness. What you discover very quickly is, it was a part of the habit of his life to go to a place where he would make sure he heard clearly what it is that God had for him. And it's exactly exactly what you and I are going to see today because what you're going to see today by the time we finish and we're going to break this service into three really distinctive parts the first thing we're going to see is what happens to this guy who finds himself in the middle of experience that only God can answer and what you're going to discover is this you're going to learn not to limit what he can do not to not learning not to limit him because here's what we do we look at all of our impossible scenarios and say, can't happen, won't happen, never will be a part of who I am. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting in church and you realize anything impossible, he can do. Anything impossible, he can transform. You just have to be willing to be able to make sure you don't limit him. All right? And that's why the man with leprosy saw Jesus as limitless. And what I want you to see today is we need to see him that way as well. And then we're going to see what happens when you end up in the wilderness. And when you get out of the wilderness, you'll find yourself at a table. And the table of your wilderness is what we call communion. Because out of that comes a moment in which God speaks to you. Intimately, distinctly, in such a way that you go, wow, this is the God of all ages speaking to my heart. So today as we look at this, I want us to see these three things. What I want you to look, first of all, is what it means to Learn how not to limit him. And here's what I want you to grab hold of. It's a principle not on the screen, but to be written on your heart. Never gauge what God is up to by what you see. Because what happens is, we in finite ways think, oh, she'll never change, he'll never change, they'll never discover the answer, they'll never turn towards him, they won't listen, they won't respond. And what happens is, you start gauging everything in life by what you see. And what you discover about how life works is it's not about what you see, it's what he sees. And what he looks for is a heart that's tuned into him and able to zero in on him. My son was driving my car recently, and he, he wanted to play his, his uh, music, and so he went and got one of these cassettes that's kind of got a Bluetooth connection point to it. You put the cassette in the cassette player uh, in my car, and Believe it or not, my car is old enough to have a cassette player, and, and you push that in, but then you're supposed to be able to connect and get a blue wave rave hitting it. Well, 
I, he, he turned, gave my car back to me, and so I thought, well, I'm just going to see if I can make this work. And I'm going to tell you, I tried everything you could do. I turned on the Bluetooth, I did this, I did that, and finally I realized it was impossible for me to do. But let me tell you what could have happened. I could have called my son, and he would have told me in a few minutes how to do it. But did I call him? No, because I was too proud. I thought, I've got to figure out how to make this work. I mean, I am, I'm technologically savvy. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I can turn them on. I'd be able to turn this Bluetooth on. But I never got it to work right. And what happened was I finally ejected that cassette and put it back where it belonged. And I'm going to tell you what happens in life. We sometimes, it's exactly what happens to us. There's a Blu-ray, Blu-ray wave coming right at us from God. What do we do? We eject a cassette. How many of you know what a cassette is? Maybe that's a better question. I mean, I know some of you sitting there going, cassette? eight track oh wow you are so old but the truth is there was good music on those so it was a blessing back in those days in fact i've got thousands of cassettes if you want some uh <laughs> you just have to have a player that they'll play on but what happens is what happens is in life we sometimes eject before we experience what god intended and i have no doubt if my son has sat down in the car and said dad it's this simple you just do this. That that thing would have played and that music would have blared out. But instead, the only music I heard was coming out of my little device, my iPhone, which doesn't have a very good speaker to it compared to my car. And here's what I want you to see. In life, sometimes the only thing we're dependent on is the speaker in our head instead of, watch this, the Blu-ray that hits our heart. And what I want you to see today is this. God wants to zero in on where your heart is because the man with leprosy, he learned three very distinctive things. Watch this carefully. Because I want you to learn not to limit what he can do. Because I promise you this. Everybody in here is sitting with some limitation. Now, you may not be willing to acknowledge it. You may not be willing to say, you know, I'm putting that on the table. That's something I want to work through. But we all have them. They're all there. They all hang out with us. And so all of a sudden, here's a man who is life had been defined, by the way, not by his choice. He was afflicted by a disease that came at him. And then, but what happens though, he's smart enough to go to the right guy who has the right kind of wave to take in his heart. So I want you to see three things. First of all, the impossible is always possible with God. When I get into my mind, you know what, that seems impossible. Then something begins to happen. And I start, what, setting things aside. Anybody ever watch a sporting event where you were watching your team and your team was losing and your conclusion was it can't happen? I went to a Norcross High School football game a few years ago. And I went to the game and, and, and the team, I mean, they, they were ranked right in the top. They had this really great running back. And they, they made a mistake and the other team scored. And there was only a matter of seconds left. And I mean, those stands were emptying up. But I didn't move. Because they had one player I knew if he got the ball, he would do whatever it took to score. And he did. And they won that football game. But I was wondering about all the people who were driving out of the parking lot before the end of the game. The only thing they heard was somebody else cheering because they had left too soon. They had missed it. And what I want you to see today is this. Don't leave too soon when it comes to the impossible things of life. 
My wife heard the doctor say, you can't have kids. But she didn't accept that. And our three children and our three grandchildren carry a story forward that the barren woman is the happy mother of children. What I want you to see today is this. Anything impossible he can do. You just have to be willing to believe it and put it in your heart and not in your head. Because when you put it in your heart, something happens. Second thing I want you to see, not only did, did this man who was uh, leprosy inflicted understand the impossible could happen, but the second thing was this. His faith opened every door he needed to experience what God intended. And I'm going to tell you what you discover in life. What you truly believe him to do, that's what he'll do. Everything else will sit on the sideline. And what happens oftentimes in life, oftentimes we, we find ourselves with so many things that we, we allow our perspective, watch this, to get in the way of his purpose. And, and instead of being able to say, you know what, I accept this as something God's going to teach me through, we instead, we, I reject this because it's too hard for me. And listen carefully, you may have some hard things going on, but it could be a lot worse. Why not take the hard things and let them be the good things? that teach you that faith opens the door. This guy, when he began, when he reached out to Jesus, and, it's, and the interesting phrase to me is when you look at verse 12, when he saw Jesus. You can't miss that because here's what I want you to see. You can look at a lot of things around you and see all kinds of messages. But when you truly look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, you see something totally, distinctly different. Because when you see him, when something happens inside of who you are, it begins to work inside of who you are. And it begins to change your life forever. I was talking to someone this week who, who he became everything to them. And their perspective changed so much. And as I was conversing with them, my first thought was, faith opened the door for that young lady to have an amazing life. And I'm going to tell you this, if you don't have faith, you miss out on all the open doors. Because watch this, fear closes every door that faith opens. If you let fear rule, fear gets in the way and closes, slams door. Which, by the way, fear has a bolt lock, a keyed bolt lock. And when a person allows fear to trump over their faith, everything is defined by what they're afraid of instead of what they believe in. The third thing that happens here is, is this man with leprosy, all of a sudden he recognizes the source of all unlimited blessings and all unlimited direction. And here's what I want you to see today. When you see the impossible as possible, and you see faith as something that opens a door to your life, and then all of a sudden you realize who the source is. You see, it's not, it's not defined by a government or by a religion. It's defined by Jesus. And you see, the man with leprosy, he never had a chance once he got afflicted to be able to walk in a church. But can you imagine? I mean, look what, what is Jesus, and it's interesting, isn't it? Where does Jesus send him? He sends him to the very ones who process life with a limitation based in rules. He says, go show yourself this way and give an offering. In other words, give an expression of what it is that God has done inside of your heart and life. And notice what he says there. Look at verse 14 again. But he ordered him, ordered him to tell no one. I'm going to ask you this. What would you do if Jesus ordered you to do something? I mean, you'd probably do it, wouldn't you? Which, by the way, he has lots of orders we ignore. Lots of them. But look what he said. Go 
show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. It's interesting what he said. He said, go show yourself what spiritually has happened. But he said, materially, give an offering to make sure that people realize you're serious about what transpired. In other words, he said, put the skin in the game. You have clean skin now. You can go to church. You can connect into what's happening. And what I want you to see today is this. As you think about where you're on your journey of faith, what would happen if you have something that's coming at you that you say, I just can't get there. And all of a sudden you're sitting in church going, you know what, maybe I can. Maybe I can see that happen because my faith is not limited to myself. My faith is in a God who knew me, who knew what family I'd be born into, who knew I, who I'd share life with, who knew who I'd be blessed by, who knew I'd be challenged by. And all of a sudden, you go, you know what? I can live that way because now I understand his way. So watch this as a disciple. As a disciple, when I come to the place where I see Jesus for who he is, what he can do, and why he does it, something begins to happen inside of me. And so I want, I want you to think about today as you think about your own life, can you understand his purpose without recognizing the nature of the one who absolutely orders out the steps of our journey? And the answer is no. But when you understand who he is, he can do amazing things inside of you. Now, watch what happens, though. This guy, he goes through, he gets healed. And, and Jesus, Bobby, by the way, has, he's approached by lots of people. Because obviously, he is definitely the main attraction in all that region. Because people who did have leprosy were healed. Those who couldn't hear could hear now. Those who couldn't see could see now. All the people who had been limited by all these different things could all of a sudden experience who he is. But then the Bible does something really unique. And I want you to see this very clearly. Because the Bible says in verse 16 that Jesus, what does he do? And Luke records it this way. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. In other words, the wonder in the wilderness was connected to his seeking God's will while in the midst of being removed from everyone else, which tells you something. And we're going to see this in communion. I'm going to show you when Jesus instructs those closest to him how to live it out, he says, go to your secret place. Don't do it where other people see it. Go to your secret place. And that's what's going to happen to us in a moment when we commune together. But what transpires here is the Bible says that, that he, he himself would often slip away. So here's what I want you to see today. First of all, don't limit what God can do. But secondly, learn how to find your way to the wilderness. In other words, finding your way to the wilderness is a key to a disciple. And you may be saying, well, how does that fit into my busy life? Watch this carefully. There couldn't be anybody more busy than Jesus. I mean, he was on a plan straight from the Father what to accomplish in a certain amount of time. And in the midst of all that, in the midst of all the busyness of trying to transform a world, what does he do? He stops everything he's doing, and he goes away to a secret place in the wilderness to hear from God. And what I want you to see today is this. If you don't have a secret place then your public place probably will never reveal who God intended for you to be. In other words, if there's not a moment where you remove yourself from what it is you're encountering and you begin to hear him speak clearly to you, then you need a new wilderness, a new place to tread. And here's what I want you to see. A wilderness that comes as a part of God's plan for our life is not a picture of bondage, it's a picture of blessing.
And it's not a picture of rebellion, it's a picture of righteousness. And so here's what I want you to see Jesus showing. Jesus shows when you go to the wilderness, you can learn how to live right and you can learn how to be blessed. And so watch this carefully, because I want, I want to show you just several ways in which you understand this before we come to the table. First of all, I want you to walk through the, the why, what, where of this entire verse, okay? Why, for example, why did Jesus go? Bottom line, supplication. In other words, he needed to go away from the distractions of life. And here's what I want you to say. He did not go to the wilderness and pray one of those, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for the food, amen, kind of prayers. He went... And I'm telling you, he communed and supplicated. And what does it mean to supplicate? It means to yield beyond yourself to the depth of your soul and bring what really matters to him. And what happens to us is when we get there, something begins to happen inside of who we are. And we supplicate. So why did he go? He went for supplication. Second area I want you to see. When did he go? Because the Bible uses this word. He would often go into the wilderness. When did he go? Systematically. In other words, he just didn't go when he felt like it. He, go, he went when he knew he should. And what I want you to see today is this. If I know when I'm supposed to go, if it's systematically a part of who I am, then something begins to happen inside of my heart and my life. So here's what I want to ask you. When you think about your own journey of faith, how systematic is your journey? In other words, when it comes to those moments where you seek his face with all your heart, and what you discover is that as you learn how to systematically go into the wilderness, Something begins to happen inside of who you are. A third thing I want you to see. How did he go? How do we go? We go with sensitivity. In other words, we go saying, Lord, I know you want to speak to me, and we get sensitive. And I don't know if you're like me, but there are moments when I have great sensitivity and moments where I don't have as much. In other words, there are moments when I think, man, I need to hear exactly what God's saying to me, and it just becomes so, so profound uh, that I know it's him. And this happened to me just a, just a few weeks ago. I was on a plane, and I was sitting next to a guy, and he kept ordering these drinks. He just kept drinking, drinking, drinking. And I thought, you know, if I get my Bible, he's going to be scared to death, you know, that I'm going to rebuke him or something. And so, um, so I just got my notes out. You know, I thought, I'm going to get some notes out, some commentary notes, et cetera. And about three-fourths of the way through the flight, he, he looks at me, and he goes, and he kind of like really scared. He said, are you a pastor? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. He said, well, you know what? I'm a member of such and such church. I said, really? I said, I know your pastor. I'm going to tell him you had communion on this flight. Because everything he ordered was Bloody Mary's. And he turned really white. And he said, you wouldn't. I said, oh, yes, I would. And the truth is, it's interesting because you know what happened? When he realized that he, and what, let me tell you what he was doing. He was numbing his brain from a, a busy week. And, and we were flying, landing into Atlanta. And so I said, are, are you going to drive tonight? And, and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got go to go to the hotel. I said, well, listen. Stay in baggage claim a while, because I want to get on the road, be in North Atlanta before you get on it, because you have been way, way too busy with your communion. And what happens sometimes is what a person, you know what, you know what, what really happened to this guy was? He got caught. He got caught. 
And he was like, man, I can't believe I get stuck next to a pastor flying on his flight. Well, I said, look, you better be thankful because maybe you learned something today as you think about your own journey of faith, that what you need to do. And it's interesting, he began to ask me all kinds of questions. And you know what I finally realized? And listen, I want you to get this. You can find yourself, watch this, in church for 20 or 30 years. But if you don't get Jesus, then every other thing in life is just a part of your behavioral pattern. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing more insensitive than to be in his house and miss him. I mean, I got done with that and thought, man, thank God you're not one of my members because I'd be rebuking you in a different way. But what I'm trying to say to you is this, and, and I'm, by the way, I, I'm not, this is not a sermon about alcohol. This is a sermon about character and, and behavior. And what happened is when, when, I tell you, when Jesus went to wilderness, he was sensitive. And what I want you to see today is this. And I'll tell you what hit me. What hit me was I was on a plane. I didn't have a Bible out, but that guy knew I was a pastor. And I don't know if he was hearing the music jamming out of my earbud or what, but whatever it was, he got it. And what I want you to see today is this. People are looking for those who go to the wilderness and are sensitive to who God is. They're looking for that. There's a fourth thing I want you to see real quick. What happened to Jesus when he came out of the wilderness? I can tell you what happened. He was rejuvenated. You want to get fired back up? And let me tell you what I discovered. Life is so busy sometimes, it can take and drain your battery. It can drain your battery. And I'm going to tell you what you discover. You need a charge that charges you up. If you're here today, and, and just, let's just say you've been married two or three years, or five years, or ten years, and all of a sudden you think, man, I need to charge my marriage up. You know how to do it? Go to the wilderness, and you don't have to go with him or her. Go on your own and say, Lord, make this the best. Make this the most amazing and, and, and let our marriage, our relationship reflect something where our children see what God's up to. And what happens when you get rejuvenated, you get fired back up. People often ask me, how do I have so much energy? I'm going to tell you why I'm energized. Because I live for something money can't ever buy. I live for his purpose. I live to accomplish his will. I live to experience his presence. I live to hear his voice. I live to hear him someday say, well done. Let me tell you, that rejuvenates who you are. That sets you in motion. And what happens finally is one other thing I want you to say. And by the way, if you'll take this wilderness process and you'll take it serious, you'll take all five of these and go, you know what, that's what I want. Because there's one final thing that happens with Jesus. And the, and the issue is where. And that's what brings us to the communion table. Because where he went was a secret place. And what I want you to see today is this. I'm going to invite you to his secret place during these next few minutes. As our men are coming... We have the privilege to be able to commune together. We're coming with a realization that as we come to the secret place, God begins to speak to us. And what happened with Jesus, I'm going to tell you what you discover, is that this table, when Jesus brought the disciples together, he said to them very clearly, you do this in remembrance of me. In other words, you do this because I have something for you. And today as you think about that, what would happen if you realized all of a sudden that God had something for you? It wasn't for somebody else. It was for you. And what he wants you to do, watch this, he wants you to see him as unlimited, and he wants you to go find him in the wilderness. Because if you're doing that, something begins to happen inside of who you are. And so today, as you think about that in your own journey, 
We come to a moment in which we commune together. Let me say just a couple words about this table. First of all, this table is not a one-heart table. This is the Lord's table, okay? And so it was, it's a table that, that Jesus called the disciples to, to let them understand something, that if they would come to this table and do it in remembrance of him, they would not forget his sacrifice of a broken body or his blood that cleansed them from all their sin. And so today as we come to that moment, I want to invite you, as I said to you earlier today, I want to invite you to set aside everything that could get in your way and take just a few moments to reflect on who you are and reflect on who he wants you to be. Because I'm going to tell you what you discover. The margin between who you are and who he wants you to be, the closer you get to who he wants you to be, based in your understanding that he's not limited, based in your understanding that he wants you to experience in the wilderness who he is, that brings you to a place that I promise you money could never buy it, but wisdom can always find it. Just be wise enough to wisely seek out what it is he has for you. So if you bow your heads with me, we pray. We pray believing and trusting that God is going to do what only he can do. Father, thank you. Thank you that as we come into this moment, this is not a a brief moment that just ties into a service. This is a moment in which we bring our hearts to the wilderness, to the secret place of your presence. And Lord, when I think about what you assigned us to do, you said that we would come to this table and remember what it is you have done for us. And Lord, we do acknowledge that. And so in this hour and this moment, I ask you to bless us as we commune together in Christ's name, amen.